Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Hey, Sebastian. Uh, big weekend ahead of us. Back to our first we are tournament. Yeah, first official tournament of the year. Uh, our O3 girls are going to the Penn Fusion Girls Shock Girls Winter Showcase. Um, so really exciting. Uh, stuff for that. I'm I'm really looking forward to how the group performs. Um, got some players coming back from injury that are able to return to play, which is really exciting to watch them. Um, we'll be able to announce, I think, some of their their college commitments soon, um, which is really cool because uh, we once again are able to offer the players that we want that want to play college soccer a place to play. We're able to give them the exposure they need. They're able to find the schools that they want to go to. And, uh, and make those commitments and be able to continue playing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, one of the things we do is leave it up to the players to make choices on where they want to uh, go geographically. You know, we've always said it, if you want to go down south, we'll do a tournament down south. We went to Raleigh a couple of months ago. You know, um, in the past, we've gone up to Boston and done uh, tours up there and played in showcases up there. So this is huge because... Uh, Confusion is a good good showcase, has a good reputation. So a lot of coaches come in from different areas. So it's a good opportunity to showcase themselves. Yes. Yeah. And we just get to connect with college coaches, which is always fun as well. Absolutely. I'm excited to do that. Um, so yeah, so really cool stuff. Um, also got to do the diamonds tryout uh on Saturday. Um, so I went out there. Big shout out to Natalie for helping me out with with that as well. Um, since I was really just supposed to sit there. Um but we're able to officially announce. I think their announcements will come out this coming week on social media, but we can announce that we picked up, we've added three new players to the roster. Um, so Olivia Nicholson uh, coming to us from Eastern University. Uh, she's actually teammates with Paxton. Um, so Olivia is a uh, defender. She's a center back. Um, really excited to play for us. Uh, she basically um reached out to us and tried out like did a lot of research from a lot of different schools or a lot of different programs that she could play over the summer and she she wanted to play for us so i'm, right. I'm excited to have her on um she's gonna be she's gonna be really good for us um then we're also adding uh becca dolhansky uh who is a graduate assistant at wilmington university for the women's soccer team so she's uh making a return to uh to competitive soccer um and she's really looking forward to it. I, I got to meet with her and, and talk to her after the tryout and doing throughout. And um, and it's a leadership that's going to come in with her. Um, that's going to be really, really exciting in the middle of the field and just in general for the team. Um, last year, I think we had it a little bit with Tara and with Katie. Um, Becca will add, will add an extra layer of that, I think, which is really, really cool to see. Um, and then the last one, is uh Liz De La Torre. Uh she plays at Newman. Um and when I asked her um where you know kind of where she played where she kind of saw herself fit and I told her we were looking for for a forward she said I love scoring goals. So I was like that's all I need to hear. So excited to have Liz on board. Um again three players that are that are going to make the, they're just really cool, really cool people, really good people. Um, uh, so, and excited to play for us, which is what kind of ultimately same, same concept as we have for our club. Yeah. So just continue to, to expand the brand. Uh, you now building up towards the summer, it's good to pick up players now, but we're just building momentum towards the summer. I know once we get closer and you know, the time comes near, we'll have, definitely have additional players reaching out to us yeah i mean ultimately i think the goal at this point will be to and we'll probably announce it soon um we'll do one final try in may um we'll do we'll do a tryout in, in may as kind of like last tryout first practice kind of thing which we did last year and we added one or two players after that so i think we'll we'll do something along, along those lines which i think will be really cool so no really looking forward to the the season um we're working on the uniform designs now so that's exciting. Um, really looking forward to that. So, yep. so yeah, so all, all good things to come for the Diamonds. Uh, for all that information, 
Instagram and Facebook at DE Union Diamonds. Uh, of course, the Delaware Union social media is facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. And please make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. And follow us on Instagram at D Soccer Podcast, D E Soccer Podcast. So, uh, record registration still open. Record registration still open. We got still like a hundred more kids from last week that have yeah, signed up, so we're all growing. We're getting momentum and we're gaining steam. It's getting closer to that time. We're still, you know, a month and a half, or yeah, like a month and a half out from the season actually starting. Yep. But it's good to have numbers because that's exciting. People are ready to go. They're ready to get outside. They're ready to play. So, um, yeah, continue to pass the word out. You know, kids, we start as young as three, and we'll go all the way up to, you know, high school as long as there's interest there and all in between. So, um, yeah, just make sure to pass the word. Delaware Union Rec Registration is open. Um, you know, I'm the guy if you have any questions. But, yeah, registration is open. Website's got a lot of information on it. Let's get, let's get as many kids as possible out, right, in a safe environment. Let's do it. Um, all right. So today, uh, interview from the convention with Vince Gansberg, who is the associate director of coaching uh, for oh, interim, 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 director? interim, interim director of coaching. Uh, basically, Vince Gansberg is the absolute man uh, at United Soccer Coaches. Um, he is uh, in charge of coaching education. He's in charge of uh like the curriculum and stuff like that. So in, in general, Vince is, Vince is fantastic. Um, so I've gotten to have him as an instructor for a course before, which is really cool. So I got to sit down with them and talk about um, the way I think I frame it with them is uh, there was, there was an after school special, like back in the day um, of like how a bill becomes a law kind of thing. Um, so I basically framed this question of I'm like, how does an idea become a coaching education course? Um, so we, we kind of go through that and, uh, and talk about coaching education and the growth that he's seen over the years that he's been at United Soccer Coaches and in other places. Um, and then he also gives out some really cool, cool things that he talks about from, from his high school coaching, uh, cause he coaches a high school soccer team. And some of the things that we talked about were, uh, the things we saw him do at the session the night before. So, uh, we'll listen to that now. Vince Gansberg is here with me. He is the Associate Director of Coaching. Is that still technically I'm your still, yes, Associate I'm Director of Coaching? All right. Yes. For United Soccer Coaches, um, Dwayne, I don't think you know this, but Vince actually taught my Director of Coaching diploma that I did in Massachusetts like three years ago. Yeah. Um, and he's also very good friends with Lou Atkinson, who is our technical advisor. Lou's the GOAT. Lou knows everybody. He's the goat when it comes to coaching education. Vince, Vince just called him the priest, so that puts the stamp on it. Lou is the most overqualified assistant high school boys coach I think ever. <laughs> ever. Yes. Ever. All right, um, Vince. I wanted to talk to you about um, coaching education. It's it's a very important topic for us. We talked about coaching education before uh, on the podcast. We. So I think back to the that I think it was a, it was one of those like after school specials of like how does a bill become a law kind of thing. Mm, yeah. And, and in my head, I'm going how does an idea become a because the United Soccer Coaches I think is does a fantastic job from a coaching education standpoint of not not at times being cookie cutter, right? So they, they expand the horizon on, on coaching education on different diplomas and things like that. So how does an idea become a course, Sure. for example? Yeah, sure. First off, thank you for having me. Um, and yes, Lou is the goat, he's the priest, he's whatever way you can describe him positively, he's the best, period. And uh, you're very blessed to have him, I know that you feel that way too. But uh, thank you again for having me. So. One, that's one of my roles as the Associate Director of Coaching Education is not to come up with new courses, but to maybe do think maybe what do we have already and then how can we uh, kind of change it to meet what's currently out there. So I think one of the uh, ways that, that we change like a, a bill to a law, if you will, is what's the purpose, what's the mission, um, who is it for, and I, 
I th you mentioned that, you know, for us, we try to cover everything from coaching education A to Z, right? So some people coach high school players, some uh, people coach uh, uh, children of, uh, you know, um, exceptional abilities. Some people coach youth, some people coach high school, college. So we try to design education geared for that audience, but not to say that we don't have other courses that are geared for all of them. So, um, but we have our development diplomas or uh, some I call grassroots. So we have those, again, those are geared for youth. We have a general youth one, and then we have age specific youth. So we try and cover, you know, everything we can from A to Z. We still have a long way to go, um, um, but uh, we, we, I think that's the one thing that makes us unique, is that we try to be, uh, for every coach out there, uh, no matter who they're coaching, or what level they're coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think, where do you think coaching education has grown um, in, in, the, in the last 40 or 50 years, and where do you think it still needs to grow? Oh, well, one thing that uh, comparing like 20, 30 years ago, 35, when I was doing my courses, is that the coaching education is, is definitely less um, instructor driven and more, I, I, I don't like to say candidates because to me they're coaches, right. but more coach driven when you're on the course. So, um, and we used to do a lot of modeling Right, and, and I remember one time uh, I asked a young man to, to uh, tell me how many miles he went for the week because he had one of those Garmin type watches back then. And it was like something like 56 miles or whatever he did from beginning to end. That's not a good learning environment. Right. You know, I mean, coaches do like to play and participate in the sessions, but it was too much. So that's one change that I think has been on the positive is that we we blend a little bit more, a little bit more balance as far as, you know, what do we show them? When do we show them on the field versus when do we let them do it on the field by themselves? And that's another big change. And I, I just think we've gone from, again, like I said, less instructor driven more to coach centered when we're out there uh, delivering a course. That's one. Uh, the other thing, technology has made it a lot different, you know, a lot uh, more convenient for all of us and starting to take away some barriers that we had maybe when we were first starting coaching. Um, as far as the curriculum is concerned, you're always, you know, I mean, I was an educator for high school teacher for 17 years and, and education's always evolving. It's always getting um, a little bit, you know, we always look at things differently and, um, and try and adjust and adapt whatever we need. So I think a lot of the curriculum is because the game has become more global. There's, we have a more knowledgeable base of coaches now. So now our starting point can be at a different level than what it was before. So, because before when we did uh, started coaching courses, we had to teach people how to strike a ball. Right. How to right. pass a ball, how do you receive it? Well, now they're coming in with a lot of that knowledge. So I think that's another big change that we're seeing uh, is that the coaches that uh, are coming to take the courses, they've either played the game, they've seen the game a lot more, uh, or they've been around the game a little bit more. So, or they're a fan, and now all of a sudden they just want to coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think those are the two big changes. So when when we look at the four pillars of the game, right? Technical, tactical, physical, and psychosocial. Do you think the psychosocial pillar is the one that's still um, somewhat untapped from a coaching education standpoint? Yes, I, I, but I think when we, you're in a coaching education standpoint, for me, it's not about really separating them. It's how do you integrate all of them within like an activity? How do you integrate them with all of them in a training session, yeah. in a season planning? So, but yes, uh, training the mind and, and 
just teaching coaches to connect with players and to be their champion, to be their you know, best supporter. I can give you a little tutorial. We can always do more with that. Yeah, I think that's, that's huge. That's huge, yeah. I think connecting with the players is huge because, like you said, it's coach, like it's coach driven with the courses now. Well, our environment has to be player driven. And if you can't connect with your players, you're not going to succeed as a coach, or you're not going to succeed as you have the, the potential to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I, I think that that's, you know, really, really important that, that we connect with each player. And so every time you're really doing a training session or practice, you should be, that's one of the things you're always trying to do is connect with those players and because you might be the best thing going for them in their lives. Right. So it's really, it's just really important that we keep that psychosocial piece almost in the front seat of our brains as opposed to the X's and O's yep. and um, the, the physical part. So in our courses, one of the overarching themes is we say yes to the S's. So the S's stand for safety. That's yep. your number one priority, period, to make sure that that child is physically and emotionally safe in, in a safe environment. Uh, two is smiles and joy. Three is skills. They come to learn. Absolutely. So they, come to, they come to get better. Um, Four is sweat, and it doesn't mean that we run them to the ground. To the, right. it means that they're physically active, um, because we just know that children that are physically active in sports do better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In, in life and in school, and the other one is simple. <laughs> I think a lot of times coaches we overcomplicate things when it, it's a pretty simple game. Um, but I think a really good coach can they have to transfer knowledge into understanding, and you do that by making things simple for them to understand, but also has meaning. Uh, but the psychosocial piece, back to your question, yes, it, it should, in my opinion, it should be in everything you do. Everything from a kid arriving to practice, hey, it's really good to see you, even though they're like a little troublemaker sometimes, yeah. but, but it's really good to see you. Um, we just did a thing called Great by Choice Upstairs and the presentation I did where I give kids five to ten minutes just to practice on their own independently, yeah. in practice. Yeah. So while they're practicing, I go around and I just talk to them. Hey, how's school? Right. How's, uh, how's life going? Um, hey, how's your little brother doing? Whatever, you know, just something. Um, because kids need that, especially today. Um, and, and we're still especially in this, this age of COVID, thing that we're right? having. Yes, yep. You know, we're still in this pandemic. We're still in, we're still not quite out there yet. Um, it's really important that we, even more, I think now that we connect with them. So human connection is just, Two things, yeah. Two things stand out to me. One, um, it brings me back to something that Lou Lou does when he when he shows up at the fields, and it's at times an intimidating presence uh, when he just shows up right next to you as you're coaching. Um, but that's happened to me, by the way. Oh yeah, it's just it's I've gotten better over through over the years, but it's still. Uh, but it's almost like one of the biggest compliments that I think that I think I've gotten from Lou, and it's something really simple. He'll turn to you and just goes, "It looks like soccer." And and it that's and, it, and again, it goes back to the simplicity of the game, right? It's not a difficult game. There's four lines, two goals. Um, I grew up in Argentina playing with a ball rolled up of rolled up socks. Yes. And like two water bottles as the as the goals. Like so, like sometimes we we overcomplicate it, right? Um, so that's that was the one thing that stood out is that. When you were talking about that Lou, Lou going, it looks like soccer. Um, the second thing is, and you brought up the idea of the potentially the troublemaker player that you say it's really good to see you. That is something that that I think sometimes goes unnoticed because, which is extreme, but it is extremely important because when you talk about a safe environment, that might be the safest environment yes, exactly. that that kid is in. Exactly. And the fact that you just reached out and said, hey, listen, this is perfect for you and we're happy that you're here because we're happy that you chose this over anything else yes. or the fact that you are continuing to come here. Absolutely, yeah, and kind of just to add on to that because it's a great point. You know, troublemaker might not be the best word, but just one that challenges you. Yeah, uh, our favorite player. We yeah. know that favorite player we that you have. Um, and. Uh, so there's a book called uh, Effective Modern Coaching, written by Miles Downey, and that's one of my go-to books. I, I just always kind of go back to it every now and again. And uh, in it, he references the book called The Inner Game of Tennis, written by Galway. 
And in the book, there's a there's an equation: potential minus interference equals performance. So, if we think about that as a coach, every child has potential, even the one that challenges us or is a little little devil. Um, every team has potential. As coaches, are if we can reduce or eliminate any interference, then they'll perform. But to your point, interference could be there's something happening outside the field that you know maybe you need to be aware, of, maybe you don't. But if you can figure out what that interference is, then maybe all of a sudden now you see that that, that child um, you know go in another direction in a positive way. So I, I think as coaches, we got to find or eliminate interference, or reduce or eliminate interference, so our players can form or a team can form. Uh, you know, like maybe interference on the team is players aren't getting along with each other. So we have to figure out, okay, how can we do? How can we? Maybe we have to do a team building activity. Yeah. Back to your psychosocial yeah. point. Um, so we, again, we, as coaches, we always have to be tuned in. But I always, I, I always like to tell coaches, yes, we coach soccer, but we're, we're working with youth. We're coaching people. Yeah. That I mean, we're coaching people not necessarily X's and O's. And it's amazing. A lot of coaches, they'll watch Pep, for example, Man City, and then they try and replicate it with 10-year-olds. <laughs> and it's, uh, no. No, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, no. I feel like he's throwing shots at me. Yeah, yeah that might be you. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's very important, yes, that the coaches connect with kids and the best in the best positive way they can. Because I'm sure all of us can th remember a coach or a teacher that positively impacted our lives and we also know a coach or a teacher that negatively impacted our lives. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Well, I think I think it's interesting because, and as the game develops, right, and I think the next, potentially the next part is something that we talk about our, in our club is how we engage the parent and the family, right? Because it's, it's, it's not always, right, as a coach, right, like we, Dwayne and I feel like in our club, and again, part, a lot of it with the guidance that we have from Lou, is that we we think we're doing the right thing or, or for the right reasons, yes. right? It, we might not always get it right, but we're doing it for the right reasons. The hard part is is that we see a, a, a kid for you know maybe four and a half hours a week, yes. And maybe we have the best intentions. We maybe have the best message or or the right. We're saying the right things, but then that kid goes home, mm -hmm. and then their environment is uncontrolled by us, yes. right? Yes. So what can we do from a parent standpoint or a family standpoint to not not necessarily change the family dynamic, because I think that might be a big word, yeah. but help potentially get on the same page as us, right? Yes. Maybe it's the same vocabulary, right? So, and we have this thing, we talked about this Excellent. Yes. recently about there is this, there's this at times idea that the parents are the enemies from the sideline, right? And so the way that we at times, because it's at times the way we were taught when we played, your parents were not allowed to, like your parents would have to like either watch from the parking lot or like drop you off at practice and not watch practice. And we've taken a different approach of like, hey, if you're going to say something, at least make it part of our vocabulary. Yes, yeah. So what can we do from, from that standpoint? Yeah, I think just keep, uh, first off, you need to be a role model. Right on, on yourself um, on the on the touch lines and all that. That's number one um, because you can't lead others until you can lead yourself. So, uh, and then the other thing, exactly. Hey, these are our terms and phrases. If you want to say something, this is our this is our team talk, right? This is how we speak to each other. Like we say, for example, down the line. That means pass it down the line forward to your teammate. Um, Maybe, uh, and I found that I'm a high school coach too, and I found that you know I've given parents roles. So there's the fun director. <laughs> there is uh, someone that is uh, their director of snacks after the game. There's a someone that's director of. Well, in high school we have a. There's a parent that is the teacher appreciation night uh, director or whatever. I give them these titles. I think as coaches we have to not be scared of parents, but can we engage with them and make them part of this process and make them understand the, you know, the process. For example, in a four versus four game, I bet a lot of parents don't know that there's 56 possible channels of communication on the field at one time. 
So there's actually a chart that shows as you go up to 11 aside how many possible channels of communication. And when I show them that slide, usually they go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Right. So I think just showing them those things. But parents don't like to be educated. <laughs> they just don't. No, they don't. And, and, uh, so, but I think we got to, as coaches, we can't be scared to include them as part of the process. But your, your comment about, yes, let's say these things, or let's say positive things at all. Um, I think in the, the, the Marty uh, autobiography, When Pride Still Mattered, he has a line that said, I played when parents were, were welcome but blessedly absent. Right. Right? But back then, in those days, when he was a kid, parents were working. Right. Mom was at home. Yep. I mean, the traditional way it was. Yeah. But now parents are more involved. So we gotta, I think, not run away from it, but we gotta figure out ways to embrace it. And they are coming. And because they are interested. Well, I think part of it is also the generation, right? Yes. So this, this yes. generation of, of players doesn't look at it from, for example, my generation had the helicopter parents, yes. right? Yeah. And maybe it was or wasn't my individual parents, but, but that, that was the generation I grew up in. Yeah. Um, whereas these players look to their to look to their families and look to their parents as support people yes. that they want to have engaged with them. Yeah. Because it's a safe place, because it's the person they go to the most and things like that. So it's a different, and, and I think that's, and I, and I forget who was that we, we were talking with, but they talked about the idea of, if you continue to coach how you were coached, then ultimately you never develop, right? Because you're doing the same warm-up that you did when you were a kid, and ultimately it was passed down from their coach who did it when he was a kid or she was a kid, and so then it just never really develops, right? Right, right. Um, we use this, uh, and, and I want to talk about one, one, one last thought here. When you were talking about communication with, with the players and engaging with the players in that, when they were in the first five, ten minutes of practicing by themselves, and that's your moment to go and engage with them. We started using a chart, or I started using a chart, I put on a little whiteboard mm. of different words of emotions, mm -hmm. right? And we talk about the fact that there is no right or wrong answer, it's just yes. where you're feeling in this chart. Yep. So I've gotten players now go to the point where they go into my, they're like, hey, can I go get the board from your backpack? And I'm like, sure, yeah. So there is no, how are you? I'm good. Right. Right? right? Yes. So, That's great. Yeah. So how do you engage with the player when the response you always get is, good. I'm good? Yeah, I think you have to be specific, a little bit more specific with your question. Well, what's good? Right. All right. Um, yeah, a lot of times, like when you bring them in, I'll just say, all right, everyone turn and talk to a teammate, and what's one good thing that happened to you today besides you didn't go to school? What's <laughs> one good thing that's happened to you today? Because usually a kid has one good thing that's happened to them today. And then I bring out what's one good thing. So now I'm getting a little bit of, oh, you got an A on a test today that you studied hard for. Great. Excellent. Um, so I think as coaches, the turn and talks, getting groups, you know, um, those types of little things can help bring out, pull out information uh, from the kids. And I, I, there's a people are really serious about coaching. There's motivational interviewing. So yep. can you? Yes. Can you read about that and how to do that and how to pull out? But you're absolutely right. When you ask, hey, how's it going today? They say, yeah, good, good. Um, one of the things I used to do too before the pandemic was we used to greet each other with my high school teams. We used to greet each other every day. I literally, we, everyone would yeah. shake everyone's hands every day. And that way I made eye contact. And if you looked away, then maybe something's happening. Right. Or maybe I need to, okay, so-and-so is not looking like his herself or himself today. So I, I think that those are little, um, little tricks, but you're absolutely right. In my opinion, you gotta get more specific. Yeah. Why is it good? Right. What happened to you that was really good? Oh, well, I, I, got, I got a new dog. Oh, what's his name? Right. Or what's her name? Right. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, I think just being a little more, more specific. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like when coaches say, blah, 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 does that make sense? And they go, yeah. And then they you say, okay, go play. And then they do exactly what they, they don't really understand. Right. I think that's something you added last night in your session, right? Yeah. You said you don't ask yes or no questions. You ask why. Yes, why? Yeah. Right? Why? And why does that make sense? When does that make sense? Where does that make sense? How does that make sense? And they might say, I don't know. Okay, now we can have a little. Yeah. Let's, right, let's figure that out together. So. Yeah. Well, and I, I really like the, uh, 
I really liked from your session last night. I really liked the uh, the you gotta uh, hit the ball into the crossbar. Oh yeah, that was that really really fun. I really honestly fun. came up with that on the spot. So. <laughs> Yeah, I was that, like, was, that was pretty fun, though. I, I needed, yeah, I needed like five minutes uh, <laughs> before Janet came on. Um, yeah. I saw a concussion protocol written all over my team. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, Dwayne, well, Dwayne expected that if he ran that with this team, he might have a kid, like, knee themselves in the face. And ooh, I missed the ooh. ball. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was telling a coach last night, there's always an unintended consequence to every decision made, and that could be one of them. <laughs> um, so one, one, final, one final question here. Um, so United Soccer Coaches has has adjusted i thought really well to the 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 challenge of the pandemic so what were some of the challenges that you faced from a coaching education standpoint and and how have you adjusted because i feel like all diplomas have adjusted slightly or 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 so what are some of the challenges and how have you adjusted them well the challenge is the in-person piece uh not really went away but it was paused and that was the biggest challenge because in person for me is just a lot better than but however people still love to be educated so we started to do we we did a thing called match day so Ian Barker and I would get on yep. and we would do a uh, you know uh, depends depend on the topic 15 minutes to someone an hour uh, just a zoom type interview with with the guest um, we post that up there but that wasn't really educated it was just more information yep um, as far as educating is, yes, we had to, okay, now we have to start creating some asynchronous uh, learning, right, where they take modules, self-learning on their own, self-directed, and then after that, then let's come up with some synchronous learning, where we're learning on Zooms together, and we're interacting. That's something that we never would have thought of before the pandemic. I mean, maybe, every, every now and again. Um, and I think... The other part, too, is we're not testing, really, the coaches on the field at the course. Now they're submitting a video, something that we could never, you know, we, we weren't doing. Um, but I think the biggest challenge was just not getting in person. And, and But we have to adapt, yes. right? And um, we have to adjust, adapt, and that's what we did. And so did the Federation. They did the same thing. Um, we also uh, had a learning platform. We, we luckily have a, a, fan, a friend of ours who lives in Scotland who has his own platform, and he helped us with LMS platform. He helped us. So I, we had to get creative. We had, we had to sit down and say, okay, how do we make this work? Um, because people do like to be educated. You know, yeah. I did my master's during the pandemic because it was an opportunity yeah. for me to do it. So, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's... I think that's how we've evolved, and I think it's here to stay, to be honest with you. Um, however, again, in my opinion, nothing replaces life. Right. No, absolutely not. Nothing replaces life, so, which is great that we're all here yeah. and seeing each other again and yeah, connecting. Absolutely. It's good to connect. Yeah. Well, I have a couple questions for Mr. Gansberg. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Whose jersey do you have on? I've been looking at it. Whose jersey? What jersey is I that? I think it's just, just ours. It's just ours. Oh, it's just United Soccer yeah. Coaches jersey. I yeah, was going to yeah, say, yeah. it looks like a nice jersey. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> All right, second question. It's one from the archives. The archives. You're up one nothing late in the game. Because you're a coach, right? You're up one nothing late in the game. Do you park the bus or you go for the second goal? Um, what's the meaning of the game? <laughs> High school semifinal. Okay. Going to the championship oh. game. Um... Are we hanging on, or are we? Uh, it's a, it's is, your is scenario. Superior. Yeah, I think it depends. One nothing late in the game. So what's late in the game? Is it five minutes? Is it ten minutes? Five. Five, five minutes. minutes. We're not really. Yeah. If if we can, we're not parking the bus, but we're playing smart, cautiously, optimistic, and if we can spring another goal on a counter, fantastic. But uh, I think it just depends on who you're playing and. Because uh, that happened actually for us in the for my high school team in the sectionals, we were down two to one, and we were parking the bus, and we actually we did it because the other team was so far superior than us, and we frustrated them, uh, and we almost got the second goal with 50 seconds left. It it hit the post, and, and but that team beat us six to one early in the season, so it was really a victory for us. For us I mean, yeah, absolutely. But, but to your point, I would have loved to have. Let's, let's do it. Let's just go. And we did in the second half. We were like, let's just go for it. So, now, does this change if it's your rival team? 
Are you, are you yeah, going for that second goal? You're going for that rival but, team? you know, it's one of those things, it's like, sometimes you, you park the bus too, and like, okay, all we have to do is kill off five minutes. Well, that's hard, because when you start thinking about the clock, right. and that's not, so you basically, you have to change the way your teacher athletes do self-talk. Right, it's not like, oh gosh, we gotta hang on. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's like, no, no, no. Hey, you know, one minute at a time. Let's go, one right. pass at a time. And but uh, if we can get a second goal, we're getting a second goal. If not, we are. Maybe I'm pulling another forward back in the midfielder, in the midfield unit. Um, and we're just kind of drop the line of confrontation a little bit. But uh, and then. You know, defend, but don't foul. Don't give, <laughs> do not foul. Don't give that, any That's the most foul. important thing. Yeah. Do not foul. Yeah. And my last question is, uh, what are your three favorite soccer players? Three favorite soccer players. Um, Pelé. Uh, because when I was growing up, he was really the... Uh, Maradona. I loved Maradona. Even though off the field, he was he had his problems. Yeah. Um, and I, I love Messi. I just do. I, I love how he plays the game. And... And uh, free spirited, and but just so gifted. Oh, Sebastian people love smiling. his dribbling, and yeah, I'm smiling yeah, under the mask. Smiling, and yeah, Argentina and pride. Speaking of that, Ronaldinho was another one that was. Oh yeah, there you go. That I, when he smiled, it was like, wow. He's. It was. Uh, I think he had a quote one time. I don't want fans to see my face. I want them to see my soul. Right. And I, I whenever I read that quote, I was like, yeah, that's what we want from our kids. Yeah. We yeah. want to see their souls, not their faces. Well, it was interesting, uh, Dr. Good Tiff. Question, though. I, I like that question. Dr. Tiff Jones was here earlier, and um, she was talking about how at times we should be more like a six-year-old, yes, and yeah. play as a six-year-old, right? Where where there is no care in the world, <laughs> whether where there is very little. You just you're just doing it because it's fun. Yeah. And if it's not the 20 shots you miss, it's the one goal you yes. made, right? Yes. Like, and it's thinking about that. Yeah. And, I, and it brought me to that, and. Uh, and Ronaldinho is a player that I'll still every once in a while go to YouTube and just watch clips of him play because yeah. it was just fun. Yeah. Just had, and that's exactly how he played the game, just having fun. Oh, he was, I think it was one of the classicos when they were in the, the burnabout and he torched them. Yeah. But the, the Madrid fans appreciated oh, yeah. what they just saw yeah. and they were like, wow. Uh, to me, that is yeah. that's huge. That's special. Right. Yeah, but I mean, Pele stopped the war. Yep. You know, Maradona inspired, you know, I mean, I loved just watching him and I try and go out and try and emulate him, even though I didn't have a left foot, right? So I try and go with my right foot. But I, I think he just inspired a lot of people and he played with passion. He was like of the people. Yeah. You know, and I'm a blue collar. Yeah. You know, my dad's a factory worker, you know, and so I kind of resonated with that. And then Messi is just. It's just Messi, special. right? Yeah. Yeah. Special. Well, Vince, uh, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, this was absolutely, absolutely an honor. Um, it was, it was, it was great to have you. Um, I, I'm hoping that in the near future I could take another course with you. Oh yeah. Because the course I took is, with you is that the one that I ended up in the hospital for a day. Because there was one time I we went to Massachusetts, and they ended up rushing me to the ER. <laughs> I don't, not in the middle of the course. No, I don't okay. think so. So that was the fall, maybe one of the following years. Oh no, I don't think so. No. Yeah, yeah. No. There was one in Massachusetts where actually they literally. Oh no! Yeah, because my heart. Yeah, but yeah, they ended up. No, we were no. It did snow. It did snow for part of the day, part okay, of the time. Okay. Yeah. So that wasn't this year. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> well, I'm I'm hoping that we could take another course with you uh, in the near future, you. Uh, yeah, in person, in person or, or online or however we do it. So, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Enjoy the convention. Thanks. All right, we're back. Um, all right, so doing one quick topic before we we move on to the player of the match, I wanted to ask you. So I had this, I did this session this week with my teams um, and we, we worked on some technical passing and I had them basically like count passes, count how many passes they individually got in like three minutes. Um, and then afterwards we kind of compared it with everybody else. So it added a sense of competition. And then when we did, redid the activity, like the level was higher, the focus level was higher. Everyone got more passes. So we talked about like why that was. So. Um, because you're a little bit younger than me and you also played it. You got to play at the college level and things like that. Um, why do you think, or do you think at some point um, that competition of like, I compete at anything every single time um, mentality, or do you think that comes in at certain ages or do you think you're kind of like, 
born into that or do you think it needs to be like basically kind of coached i think it's all three right um i think some people just have that natural instinct to go out and compete like whatever it is you want to be the first you want to be the best like i see it in school all the time kids want to be the first person in line if they're always they're racing across the cafeteria to be the first person in line there's no reward you never get a trophy like no one ever says oh great you you were first 15 times this year but i think that kids some kids just naturally want to be competitive. I also think that some kids, like maybe like if you're an only child, you may not have that competition factor at home. So it needs to be taught, hey, like this is how you compete. This is what you want to go into. Um, this is how you compete because sometimes you just don't have competition at home. You know, if you don't have a brother or sister, you know, the Xbox is always open. Right? You don't have to, you don't have to battle. Um, so I think that's that. Um, and then I think that, you know, competition is good because, especially with your team, because as long as you're competing in practice, you know, your team's ready to go to war with you when, when the times get tough and you're competing into one nothing game or it's a zero zero game. I think it teaches those lessons as well, where it's like, Hey, you know, we were counting passes, we were competing. We want to beat the other team in training, but we know, all together, we're going to push ourselves to be better. So we're all kind of, you know, molded in as a team and it makes your team a little bit stronger. So I think like, you know, it's kind of all three, but I think that really doing it in training helps the team in the long run with that just overall wanting to compete, wanting to battle and just go all out for each other on the field and make each other better. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the interesting things that came out of the practice was, um, one of my older group, one of the, one of the players was talking about there. I asked him, I, you know, how do you think you did the first time in comparison to the second time And the natural reaction is to say that you did better the second time, because now you were focused and you were hyper aware of the idea that like there's a competition involved, but it was the interesting part was that it wasn't like that. A lot of the players said that they, they felt like they did better the first time. So I said, you know, why do you think that is? And one of the players, you know, responded, well, I think, you know, some players may feel like there's a lot of pressure on them to now have to perform. So I think there's always that interesting balance, especially at the youth level of that. Uh, and I think it's easier. And this goes back to what, with, with Dr. Tiff Jones, when we were talking in, in Turnery was last week about having that six-year-old mentality, right? Like right. that mentality of like, I don't care. Like right. I'm just here to compete. I'm just here to have fun. And then at a certain point, I think you get to that point of like, it's a lot of pressure to have to compete. It's a lot of pressure to have to be the one that like wins, or maybe I don't want the spotlight. I don't want to be the one that wins. Right. Right. I think that's so like, when I think of that, I think of like two things, right? It's hard to beat a team twice, right? So you beat a team three, nothing. Yeah. Well, what's your mentality when you got to go play that team again? Oh, we already beat you three, nothing. It was easy. And then it's always, it's not always the same result. Sometimes that team comes back and they beat you or it becomes a one, nothing game and it becomes a lot difficult. The other thing I think about when you say, I don't want to be in the spotlight is players and conditioning. Like if I know I can run a five minute mile, I know the rest of my teammates are in the seven, eight minute range. Well, I don't want to make them look bad and coach to punish them. So I'm going to go, we're all going to finish in the seven, eight minute range instead of me going all out, run a five minute mile and then taking those next two or three players or four or five players to push themselves yeah. to stay in the lead pack with me. I think you see that a lot in sports too. Yeah. And I think that's always the hard part, right? And I think, you know, I, I think luckily I think there's, there's been a change over the last couple of years and, and it's happening more and more with the idea of, of mental toughness and, and grit and, and, and understanding what those things really mean and how they impact players. But I feel like, you know, I think the old school, in theory way of looking at it is that like well ultimately the com- the competitors will always just kind of rise to the top and you know and which is which is fine you know like there there is that level of it like i know that like having watching you as a coach and even having watching your development like your sense of confidence is like you're you're you you portray a lot of confidence right like verbally no matter what it is whether it's a practice a scrimmage a game uh, the other day you jumped into an activity and you're like, you automatically like putting the confidence out there, which is great because that means again, from a competition standpoint, like 
Now, granted, you're older and you've you've experienced a lot more things than some of our players. But I think you know we we tend to have this focus of like those people will just like those kind of players will always just kind of like see themselves to the top, and that's fine. They they normally do. But what about the rest of the players, right? Like, what about giving the rest of the players an opportunity to to learn? how to grow or learn how to find themselves or learn how to make it okay for, to, for them to be competitive. Right. I feel like, I think, and it goes back to your, your running analogy, right. Or, or, or um, example, I don't want to stand out. So I, I'm going to run the same speed as, as my players. And we see that, we see that a ton at the youth level of like, not wanting to, if we see it with players that don't want to stand out across our team with their teammates, even from a playing standpoint, they will play. They won't play to their full potential at times because they don't want to stand out. Right. They won't want to, which I think, and I think that's where we have to come in and, and work, work on the ability of like, all right, well, if you feel pressure in a passing activity, like, and you don't want to excel at that, like, what does that tell us about the game? Right. right? I think it's important that we, we spotlight those players. Like as we're having this conversation, a couple of players come to mind, like, I was a player on my 2009 boys team when I first got him, did not have any confidence. Yeah. But you have to verbally encourage this kid, tell him what he's doing well. Now, like my side, when we had a session, he does all the right things. He does all the coaching. He takes all the coaching points. He listens because sometimes I feel like players need to think that you're talking about them. And maybe it's a conversation to the side. Maybe it's an indirect thing where you're talking to the group, but you're hitting on a specific point where like a group of players and one or two players are messing up. I think those players, you know, benefit when you talk kind of about them. And then you have the players who just you say something, yes, coach, it happens. And that's how you kind of build your team up is like that. It's just like you said, the confidence, just building that confidence. You can do this. I've seen you do it. Maybe you just need to hear me say Yes, you can do it. Yeah, no, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. I think obviously it's a, it's a bigger topic. I just that that really, in my head, that was that was something that kind of stuck out. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on it. But um, but yeah, for sure, I think there's, and I think there's probably something that in the near future we'll we'll bring in some guests to talk about this specific concept of like, how do you coach? Not only how do you coach confidence, but how do you like how do you encourage players to stand out? Yeah, and it's confidence and not cockiness, right? Yes. Those are that's, two different things. Confidence and not cockiness, because I kind of run into that that yeah. one group man. Oh yeah. We want the smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go there because then you might you might see yourself <laughs> hitting a really big wall. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. get knocked down. The wall yeah. wants to smoke, and the wall didn't move <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, all right. So uh, let's move on to player of the match. Uh, my player of the match goes to. Oh, well, actually, hold on. Before we do that, we didn't really discuss the fact that the Champions League came back. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the Champions- I had a coach. I had a coach call me and ask me about one of my teams and uh, what I predicted the score to be, and I didn't. I didn't give him enough credit. Oh wait, what? Derrickson calls me and says, Manchester City, what are they going to do today? I was like, oh, you know, like 3-1. So it's in Portugal, maybe like, you know, yeah, 3-1, get Portugal or Sporting CP a goal. Didn't give him enough credit. No, 5 nothing. 5 nothing, just thrashed. Yeah, and, and one goal taken away. Yeah, missed the yeah. game. Yeah. You got to get you got to get back to these 2.30 kickoffs. These 3 o'clock hurt me. Yeah, uh, that's why you got to watch the Europa League, man. That's where it's at. They won't see it. Um, so PSG beats Real Madrid, uh, Mbappe, just when everyone goes like, oh, is he really that good? Is he like, you know, like, yeah, this guy's the real deal. Uh, this guy, not only that, like in the previous games that I watch at PSG, he's trying to finish everything himself. And like, you see Messi there standing there waiting for a ball to come in that never comes in first 30 minutes. All, all Mbappe did was try to find Messi. In the final third to try to get him to score a goal. Um, Messi misses a PK. Um, and then Mbappe was like, you know what? Like, I got this. Like, just give me the ball. Like Neymar, just just pass the rock and then just 
Pass the rock. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he took on those two players, literally just sitting there, like goes right in between them. Um, they're, I mean, it was good pressure cover. He's just that much faster and better. He just said, hey, you know what he was saying was, buy me. Yeah, 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 for sure. Pay the money. Uh, it's worth it. So um, my dad my dad made an interesting <laughs> comment of like, uh, he already knows how to speak Spanish. Because I guess in an inter- interview afterwards, he was like speaking in Spanish completely. He learned he said, from all the, Ar- all the Argentinians that he was with at PSG. He said, if you don't want this to happen to you again, and every year going forward. What was it? The smoke? <laughs> buy me. I gave you the smoke. The smoke. <laughs> the smoke. The smoke is following the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> Here's the smoke. He's faster than the smoke. <laughs> um, uh, Salzburg with a huge win at home or huge tie at home. Sorry. Huge, huge point at home against Bayern. Um, leading, winning or winning for a big part of the game. Second half. It was obvious that Bayern was going to come in like John's blazing um, and they get a goal. Liverpool beating Inter. After Inter, I thought it had played a good like 60 minutes of soccer. Yeah, like 60 and or then, 70 minutes. And then Firmino came in and kind of changed the game. And after that goal, like it was, they were, I mean, I think, I think at some point Inter was kind of lucky. It was only two at the end and it ended up being like seven. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, I mean, it'll be interesting what Inter does because now they have to go to England. No away goals this year, though. No so, away goals, but you still gotta go. You still gotta go to Anfield, right? It's still gonna be. It's gonna be raining. It's gonna be cold. Yeah, it's gonna be like that's like forty degree drizzle. Um, yeah, like mist drizzle. Yeah. So, um, and then the Europa League. Um, I mean, we'll talk about uh, Barcelona in a second because that, that leads me to my player of the match. Um, but Rangers beating Dortmund four to two. In 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 Germany, in front of the yellow wall, in front or of the are they still playing wall. with no fans. Uh, they might still be playing with no fans. Um, Betty's beating Zenit. Mm, Betty's making moves. Yeah, uh, Sheriff. Sheriff getting a two two nil win against Braga. Sheriff over here trying to get paid. They're gonna they're gonna buy somebody. The sheriff is trying to try. You're gonna buy an MLS star. Yeah, sheriff is trying to go for it. Um, about to buy Josie Altidore. Uh, Leipzig and uh, Sociedad tied two to two. Porto beating Lazio, uh, two to one. Atalanta, uh, two one over Olympiacos, and Sevilla with a three one win against Zagreb. Sevilla, man, if they can make it all the way. They get to play in their own stadium. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's um, the motivation. <laughs> um, all right. So, all right, player of the match. My player of the match goes up to Ferran Torres. I don't know why. I, I could, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, because this guy uh, still has not apparently earned the full jersey. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this in the broadcast. But Ferran Torres's jersey does not have a Nike logo or a Barcelona badge on it. What did he buy it? What did he buy it from the the store? Uh, he bought it. He went and bought an, a blank Barcelona jersey from. So, uh, so the front of his jersey is missing the Nike logo and the uh, the Barcelona badge. <laughs> Barcelona badge. Probably why he missed that goal that he should have scored in the first half. Um, so, uh, which led yeah. to them getting scored on. Uh, I gotta see if I can find the the picture, um, because the 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 picture of him, um, without, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he missed. He literally is the reason why they got scored on. If he scores that goal. They don't get scored on 30 seconds later. Yeah, it, it's, it, it was crazy. So apparently, um, so it was the explanation has emerged. Uh, it was a printing error. Uh, <laughs> but it, it went unnoticed by the backroom staff and the player himself. That's uh, crazy. Who cha- he, so he basically, so he went, so he switched jerseys at halftime. 
at halftime, he ended up with this, uh, with this, uh, all it's and, he scored, and he scored the PK in the second half, right? Huh? And he scores the PK in the second half. Yeah. I mean, ultimately all he ended up with was, uh, with this, uh, uh, with this, this Rakuten jersey. Um, <laughs> so no logo, nothing on it. So, uh, my, my, uh, my player of the match goes out to Ferran Torres for her. Yeah, it's uh, it's still not earning interesting at the highest level. We can't get the we can't get the uniforms right. Hey man, at least it happens there too. So anytime, yeah, shout out to play. Barcelona for swapping out the three players they were playing up front for the premier a Premier League front three and scoring goals. That's all you needed. Yeah. All right, uh, your player of the match. My player of the match is going to Anthony Fontana. Did you Friend hear about the family? The I guess we could call it. Friend, yeah, friend of the family, Anthony DiRenzo's cousins, cousin. Um, he just secured a move uh, last night or this morning to the second division of Italy. Oh wow! Uh, holds an Italian passport. Um, he is going to. Let's see if I can pronounce this. Oh boy, Ascolo Calcio in the second division of Italy. Ascolo um, Calcio. Calcio. Sorry, I'm not Italian. Ascoli Calcio. Um, Nice. So he's going there on a free transfer, but um, because he's out of contract. But oh, he's out of con- he's out of contract. Yeah, he did not. The union tried to resign him twice, and he refused. But the union are getting one hundred thirty thousand dollars because guess what? Really, uh, represent rep- whatever. Yeah, they trained him growing up. Repro- reciprocity. Yep, they whatever. trained him while he was growing up. So they get that little. So little I actually got to watch. I don't think I told you this. I got to watch Anthony Fontana, uh, like play pickup at the Fuel House. At that second ODP, uh, mini camp over the winter, him and a bunch of his buddies got together playing like fifteen by twenty five, five v five or six v six, in a fifteen by twenty five with lacrosse. Right. It was super tight. But these guys were pinging the ball, man. Just moving it. But yeah. Yeah. Delaware kid making moves. Good job. Way to go. Um, so because both I, of the Delaware guys have gone overseas. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. On this day in history, um, February 18th, 1987. Uh, England goes to Madrid to play Spain, and they beat him four to two. Um, Gary Lineker scores all four goals. Um, and Bobby Robson, who was this the 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 coach at the end of the at um, was also celebrating his fifty fourth birthday. So, so I guess happy birthday to Bobby Robson also as well. Um, would be the other the the second on this day in history. So. Um, a little bit of a shorter one, not not as like not as big or controversial, I guess. But um, yeah. so um, not put controversial. The on, put the team on his back. Yeah, but I mean, Gary Lineker, one of the one of the all time greats in general. Um, all right, fair play of the week. You're up. Uh, fair play of the week. Um, let's give it to Manchester City for just absolutely thrashing Sporting CP away. Give their stars a little bit of rest, and actually doing it without a striker. You know that's that's huge. They don't even have a striker on their team. So Manchester City, because I wore the hoodie on the same day too. So there you go. Um, my fair play of the week is going to go to uh, the uh, the Argentinian Professional League uh, because finally, after two and a half years of talking about this. That every season VAR is coming to to the league. VAR is coming to the league. VAR is coming to the league. Apparently, VAR is finally coming to the league. Uh, so I won't believe it until I see the monitors. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see April. We'll see the first week of April. Uh, supposed to be coming over by the first week of April, which would be the eighth, the eighth game of the of the calendar. Um, yeah, we're going in. We know we're going <laughs> third of the way in. We're good. Um, so yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes and we'll see how that works out in general. Uh, but excited for potential VAR. Cause that'll just add another level of, uh, drama, 
of drama to Argentinian soccer. They better put a hard top shelter on top of that VAR booth. My thought would be that you better like secure that after the game, like because you know some of these stadiums kind of open, you can kind of get in. So I'm doing the day. <laughs> you start the next game and uh, sorry, the game's been delayed because VAR is not here. <laughs> VAR's been stolen. VAR's been high. VAR's been hacked. And now playing uh, cartoons on a re- on a replay on, the- on, a, on a yeah on a loop <laughs> on a loop. Uh, so yeah, but so change my favorite play of the week. Okay, not Anthony Fontana anymore. No, it was interesting. My favorite play of the week goes out to the Ocean City Parks and Rec Department. Uh, that's right. You did a tournament there last weekend. Did a tournament there last week. Fantastic. Great facilities. Um, good all around tournament, I believe. Um, my team, my team fought. They they took the street fight speech without taking the street fight speech. But no, it's a it's a wonderful facility down there, four courts, um, good weather, playground out there for the kids, and you know, it's a good all around facility and tournament. Perfect. Definitely back next year. Great, awesome. Well, wow. huh? You'll be joining me. All right. Well, I mean, with that with that said, thanks for joining us this week, and remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>